3: Welcome to another edition of Full Transparency with me, Donnie Wiggins, you guys. I am so excited. Welcome to another edition of Full Transparency with
2: me, Donnie Wiggins. You guys, I am so excited to have you here. You know, when you come to see Full Transparency, you are coming to meet a bunch of my successful friends, some old and some new, like my guest today. But we're taking you behind the scenes and taking a deep dive into a full, transparent conversation about what it's like to be an entrepreneur, a CEO, a lover, a friend, just a whole human being. So let's get to it with my guest for today. I have the love. Lovely Don Dixon in Yay. the building with me today. How are you, lady? I'm
4: feeling good.
2: I'm feeling good, Thank I'm you
4: feeling good too. Me. I'm so happy to be here with you.
2: Yeah, you that girl. I'm not, am I? Am I that girl? You that girl. You that girl. No, you're that girl. <laughs> if we gotta be the girl of the day, it's gonna be Don. Um, You guys, so I just literally in real life met you yesterday Mm -hmm. and we're about to go. You know I've
4: been a fan. Like I've been a fan. First
2: of all. I've been a fan. We've been a fan of each other. Thank you. You are so inspiring. Okay. So we got to tell people who you are, what you do really quickly. Um, Dawn, as I have known her all these years, has been the founder and CEO of Flat Out Heels. And you and I have, is it Flat Out Heels? Flat Out of Heels. Flat Out of Heels. Mm -hmm. You and I have a mutual friend um, that I go back since 2013 with, but you go back even further College than that.
4: 98.
2: 98. Uh, and I have over the years heard her talk about like I remember her carrying these flat outs in her purse oh, like putting them on crazy. her feet all the time you guys if you've ever seen for ladies um, like the, the ballerina almost looking slipper that goes on your feet that you can wear in public it doesn't have that penetratable sole. You can wear it she in public. Yes, yes. Do I have the pics? Yeah, you got it. You First got of it. all, let me get a little sponsorship. Yes, not for real. real. Like, no. That. no, no, like
4: really. This is no, like
2: for real. Um, For real. Yeah. Okay. So love them because you can take your feet out of your heels, put them in your flat outs. And I have seen this company grow from like Melissa carrying them around in her purse to now you're like in the airports You've got them in vending machines. Tell me about this company. Is this the
4: first company? No, I started my first company in 2001. So, like, I've been an entrepreneur 23 years now, full time. Okay. So you already know the journey is crazy. Yeah. But um, flat out I started in 2011. Okay. So we're looking at 12 years um, in April. Mm -hmm. And it just was like a necessity from me being out. Back in those days, I was out in the club. I was living in Miami. I was living here in Atlanta. And I see women walking barefoot and I'm like, how can I solve this? Mm. I I already was an entrepreneur, so I already had that mindset of like, if you see a problem you can solve and you can monetize Mm -hmm. and you have the resources, then go for it. Mm. And so I didn't see any competitors and I felt and I really wanted to dip my feet in like consumer products at the time because my first business was web based I building websites in the early days of websites. And that's what I did—entertainment um, and events—like in my early career, in my twenties. But that's what led me to being around so many women who are walking barefoot and being in the clubs and being out because of my yeah. my website, the Urban Star. Mm-hmm. And um, I just always wanted to try products. When I got, I was in a phase of my life—a transitional phase of my life—when I started flat out. I had just moved from Atlanta, quit my career, and I'm like, God, send me the next thing for me. Mm. What's next for me?
2: God, send me the next
4: thing. What's for next? me. What's next? Like, I'm, I've, I quit. My uh, careers when I'm tired of them. I'll, they'll be doing well, making money, and I'll yes. just quit them. I yeah. heard you talking about this in one of yes. your shows. Like, done. I just stopped. Yeah, just you done. Know, I just was doing, you said you're doing management of property, and I, was, I don't want to do this no more. Yeah. And so that's where I was at, and that's so why I was broke, because I quit my income stream, mm-hmm. and I was living in Miami broke, and I ain't the place to be broke. Mm. And I just, but I was just walking on faith, and I'm like, send me something that I'm passionate about. I want to do something else, but I don't want to work for anybody. Send me something. Yeah. And I was out. Um, I'll never remember, forget this night because I was like helping my friend with Ocho Cinco and Evelyn. They had a party. So okay, now okay, we see how okay. long ago this was. And my feet was hurting so bad. They feel like You were not one of those out. girls.
2: Don't tell me I you I wasn't going to walk barefoot. I you refused. You weren't walking barefoot. I refused. We weren't doing that. I will
4: not. Okay. I have not. Just being clear. But it was intense pain where I said I can't live like this. Yes. <laughs> Praying to get I to the can't. car. Yes. <laughs> and then I had a whole night ahead. <laughs> And I was like, why aren't there like vending machines where women could just get flats? Like what? We need a convenient place. Maybe in the clubs, you just grab a pair of flats when you're headed out. Mm-hmm. Because Miami and Atlanta, you're walking far from the club door to your vehicle. Mm-hmm. Especially when especially you're not paying $50 when you're broke. valet. Exactly. Yeah, especially when you're broke especially and you got to park bro- in the free blocks, spot all the way down the street. Blocks,
2: yeah, we, we've walked some blocks to blocks, the club blocks. before.
4: <laughs> so, you know, yeah, this was in the days where I'm not, I, I cannot afford $50 for valet. Right. So we're walking. And um, that was the idea. And I, I did a research and I took did some surveys on Facebook. Like, would y'all buy some flats to put in your purse? Or what do you got? What is the solution? Out many women said they carry tennis shoes in their car. Um, they keep shoes in the car. But I'm like, you need them from the door to the car. Yeah. Yeah. So I felt like there was a market for it. And I started it. Definitely. And,
2: um, do you know what I used here. to do when my feet would hurt? This was in my 20s. So I've, I'm a germaphobe. And I have been a germaphobe since... I I probably became that way since becoming a mom. Like, going into public restrooms and stuff, trying to figure out... Like, I was the mom that started to see the public bathroom as the enemy before my daughter became, like, a toddler. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what would we do if we're out in public? So anyway, um, I would see girls carrying flip-flops in their bag, right? And I'm like, wait a minute. So you just... You're walking around the club, you've been to the bathroom, you've been outside and you have the audacity to take those flip flops off your feet and put them in your purse. You nasty person, you. But I loved the idea of having the flip flops. So I would Mm -hmm. take a pair of flip flops and put them in a Ziploc bag and put them in my purse. That's smart, and that's what I was doing at first. But that was back in the day when we had like the big, big bags, yes. the Dooney and Burke it wasn't the clutches. and not a it clutches was not the clutch small. So when clutches came out, and that was the thing, because big bags went out of style for like yes. a long time. When cu- when clutches came back, I'm like, now what am I going to do with? And so my old um, sometimes ratchet self. <laughs> Took a whole lot of the umbrella covers from in front of this building. Oh snap! And I put the umbrella covers over my feet to walk to and from the car because they're plastic.
4: You know that's innovation. <laughs> that's innovation. You innovative, but, but, but that's innovative. That's innovation. that's innovation. That's innovation. But
2: see, here's the thing. I identify this is this is why it's so important. Like if you are an entrepreneur or or not even an entrepreneur yet, David and I talked about this on the Social Proof Podcast. Innovation. Right. Identifying something that is wrong, even if there's a current solution in place, because the solution at that time was just throw a pair of extra shoes in your bag. Yes. You and I see that differently. We don't want shoes just touching our makeup and our pins. And, you know. Is there a problem right now in your life or in other people's lives that you're familiar with, very closely connected to, and you can create a a, a problem, a, a solution for and it. Monetize it. And monetize it. And monetize I saw it. umbrella bags and thought it was genius. Like whoosh. people would look at me walking down the street with these umbrella bags on, and I have no shame ever. And they're looking at me like I'm crazy, but then they're whispering like that's but a they good wish idea. They had that. But then there's a Don Dixon who says, "Girl." Let me put your feet in yes. some shoes. And give you a
4: bag to put your heels in and to put your flats in so yes. you don't have to get your purse dirty. Yes, yes. And then yes. I didn't use the bag for, before Hairbrella came out, I was putting the bag on my head yes. as a rain hat. <laughs> I still to this day, like, there's flat out bags all over my house for every purpose. That you is know, so Shoe fun. bags, uh, toiletry bags when I travel. So yeah, I'm mean, like, let me just give women like a, a, a bag and a pair of shoes that they can just. Yeah, they can use and they're machine washable and they're dryer safe and they're Mm -hmm. durable. I just created something I wanted and they have to be cute. Like the bottoms are red. They had to have a little fashion to them. They can't be flimsy and cheap looking because you're not taking off your $500 heels to put on something Mm -hmm. raggedy. Mm -hmm. Not those. uh, mm -mm. I'm
2: not going to call the brand out, but there used to be these. um, When I if I'm being totally honest. Fully transparent. When I first saw your flat outs, I'm like, girl, I can go to Target and get these for like half the price. And and I did. And I oh, went wow. to Target and I bought these like satin slippers with a little bow on them. Went outside in the rain, feet soaking yes, wet.
4: Exactly. <laughs> and I picked my materials just and for I'm that just, reason.
2: I'm like, never again. And uh, I think uh, Chambers actually gave me my first pair of flat outs. Many years ago, so I need yeah. a pair. Like you got um, them coming,
4: they on the way. I need
2: a pair because your girl, I, I am still honestly. I got the old navy flip flops, like in every color, in my car. Okay. Just
4: yeah, I'm. I'm I, I sent you. I deserve
2: here, something so better on my feet.
4: Yeah. I cannot wait. I cannot yes, wait to coming. get them. I, they should have been here today, but I
2: have a question me. for you though. So you said that you were living in Miami, you were broke. I
4: was, you, I was, I was cash poor. Cash the mindset. So I okay. like to say I was very cash poor. I
2: love it. I love it. You were cash poor. Mm-hmm. When we say cash poor, uh, because sometimes people will say, oh, yeah, I was I was I was broke or I didn't have any money. And it's like, yeah, so I took the last twenty five thousand dollars that I had and did X, Y and Z. And me and my life no, journey, talking about zero,
4: zero, You're talking about negative five hundred dollars.
2: OK, so where'd you get the, the money? You see this idea. You want to oh, yeah. be innovative. Where did the money come from <clears throat> to put this idea together? My network.
4: So, you know again i was an entrepreneur already i had a track record of success i was doing a lot of events here in atlanta i live in nice brand new nice lexus live you know had i work with a lot of athletes and entertainers doing okay. events marketing pr working with a lot of the club owners here so i knew people with high, i knew high net worth individuals okay and um You know, this is before, like, I was in the venture capital world and out fundraising, but these are high-network individuals that could invest. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing that I did when I got my idea um, was rolled out, because I'm a business person, so I did the business plan, the projections, spelled it all out, let them see what it's going to look like, how Mm -hmm. I'm going to make money, and I pitched it to some of my former NFL clients and some of Mm -hmm. my friends from college, and I raised $30,000 within, like, two months.
2: Okay, before I figure out how you allocated the thirty thousand dollars this has always been a struggle for me asking anybody for money like
4: you don't ask for money you give people an opportunity
2: mm, tell me about it hold on you never Put ask me for on. anything okay
4: I'm giving you an opportunity to okay. be a part of something that I'm growing from zero to xx number of millions I'm giving you an chance to get in early on girl something. hold on so let I'm on. not asking you for anything because I'm gonna do it without you okay I don't need you
2: hold on because I'm about to write this down
4: y'all did y'all hear this <laughs> let me let me just tell you how
2: the <laughs> conversation goes with like you know y- your friends and all this stuff I'm giving you an opportunity Yeah. I'm, I'm giving you and y'all better be taking notes on listen this.
4: y'all know me y'all know that I what I do I win I, I start businesses I make money and I win and now I'm starting something new because, again, I had a track record. Okay. I wasn't, like, coming out of nowhere, like, hey, I got I had a track record. This is a quotable, record. y'all. This is a quotable. Yes. Okay. So you see what I've been doing. You see what I, how I've been living. Mm-hmm. Now I'm giving you an opportunity to be a part of my next venture.
2: I got to ask, you're working in this in this industry with all of these superstars, athletes, mm-hmm. entertainers. Are any of these guys, like, was your first yes somebody that you were dating?
4: No, my first yes was a friend from college. So my friend, my friend Tamika, she gave me $10,000 1st My second, nobody that I was dating gave me money. I didn't even ask them. You didn't present
2: them with the opportunity.
4: Because I wasn't dating anyone seriously, and a lot of times... Even giving him an opportunity when you're not as serious, it mm-hmm. could throw off the dynamic. Like, I don't mm. like asking men for money. That That's one thing I don't do. Okay,
2: so that's... That's
4: one thing I don't do.
2: That's the problem. So, in conversation, like, you know, with your girlfriends... Because I other- wasn't
4: dating no one serious enough to be like here.
2: I will tell like literally billions of dollars of inventory is what we refer to these guys <laughs> as, yes. right? Yes. Or not even just yes. these guys, but just the people that you know in your phone. We, billions of dollars of inventory is yes. in this this phone, right? But I have never been able to
4: ask, and I think you just you just freed me from I don't want expectations something. tied to this opportunity. I yes. don't want you to expect sex or me answering the phone yes. or anything beyond that. So that's why I keep keep it platonic. Now I'll say former people that I had dated invested, but we okay. were we were friends. Okay, so it was like it it was different. But yeah, I mean, um, it six people invested in they were friends and former clients.
2: I love it and now I'm just really thinking through just my own journey and all of the opportunities that I failed to present people with. And my friends would think I'm crazy. Girl, you know, this person and this person and this person and you never ask anybody for money. And for me, it wasn't even necessarily guys that I was dating. It was just people that I knew and I didn't want to I didn't want to tarnish the friendship. I didn't want like you yeah. said, I didn't want to have to be more available or and you know what else I struggled with? Don, with with asking people for help, because essentially yeah. that's what it
4: is. What's not, though. I don't it's ask for help. No. You truly don't need their help. It's not help. It's okay. investing. It's like when you go to invest in stocks. It's and not help. Apple ain't getting your help. Right, right, Microsoft right. ain't asking for your help. Tesla don't need your help. I got you. You're getting an opportunity to get in on what they got going on. Okay. So it's like, help is when like, I can't pay my rent this month. Mm. Help is like, can you, my car is in the shop.
2: Mm-hmm. I need help. Help I is like, can money. you get my nails in or something? This is an opportunity. This is an opportunity. This is a win for you. This is a win for you. This is a win for you. Because you're
4: getting equity and you're going to yes. get it returned to you.
2: Now, you're asking people because there's somebody out, they, they're like, okay, I have a, I have a high value network. Yeah. How do I position this, this opportunity? But, before that, as I'm thinking, because I have some things that are investable mm-hmm. right now, one of my fears that's attached to asking people that I know versus going and getting funding from, you know, banks, what if it doesn't work?
4: It's an opportunity. I present it as well, like, hey, you know, this is the one thing. It's important to understand and discern who you even ask. Okay. So you can't go through your phone and it's like, oh, they got money, they got money. They, everybody with money is not smart. Everybody with money is not an investor, yeah, and they don't understand returns and how investment works. Okay, if you're not already investing in things and mm-hmm. understand investments are a risk, I mm-hmm. don't want to deal with you. Okay. So everyone that I went to, they know that it's a risk that it can fail, but they're betting on me because I don't fail and I haven't yet. Mm, you talking ass <laughs> spicy? You know what I'm right now. So it's like uh, you want to bet on the jockey because I'm gonna ride whatever horse. To the winning
2: Mm -hmm. arena. You said they're going to bet on you because you don't fail. But at Mm -hmm. the time, you're Mm -hmm. already an established businesswoman, but you don't have any money. Yes. How do I see you as it not being Because I know I'm in a
4: transition. Like, my first business was a service business. So, Mm -hmm. I got paid for doing events. Okay. So, it wasn't... It was different. And they know I didn't have money because I decided I was retiring myself. You know? So, I position it like, listen... And nobody knew that I was actually cash poor. Gotcha. How would you know? I'm still looking good. I'm still gotcha. playing the part. Nobody knows I'm about to get evicted. Okay. right. So it's like the bottom line is my track record speaks for itself. They seen what I was able to do. And my cash poor situation was a choice.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: I decided I was going to stop what I was doing to take a leap to something new. And I do this regularly. I've done it multiple times where I stopped my income stream to go do something else. Yeah. And it took a couple of months to reboot, and I was cash poor. Mm. But I also learned over the years now to develop, you know, build assets and create streams for myself where I won't be in that position again. I learned my lesson back in 2011 Okay, how not to be super cash poor, you know, how to set up myself when there's cash flow, when cash flow is abundant. Things to do to prepare myself for the inevitable downturn because cash flow goes up and down as an entrepreneur no matter what.
2: Sure. You have a 19-year-old daughter.
4: I do. Almost 19. She's
2: almost 19. So, you, first of all, your girl looks good. Okay, let's look at her real quick. I, mean, I just we, want y'all to see. Y'all
4: see her, so I have to show what <laughs> your, girl to match is,
2: this. your girl is over <laughs> here looking like a star. Um, You have a 19-year-old, almost 19-year-old mm-hmm. daughter, and let's say – she, you were giving her advice on how to, would you call it bootstrapping your first idea?
4: Yeah, well, I mean, I got an investor. So bootstrapping when you pay yourself, when mm-hmm. you pay, where you're you're paying for the business from yourself, your personal resources, your personal assets, credit cards. I didn't bootstrap. They, okay, I actually had investors from the beginning.
2: So if she's like, hey, ma, um, I, I just want to quit everything that I'm doing. I don't really have any money. I don't want your help necessarily just like you funding this whole thing. I want to go out and get investors. Let's talk to a 19 year old daughter. What would you tell her to do right now to start her first business? I
4: mean, the first thing is to be able to completely understand the market opportunity. Is it even worth starting this business? You know, how big is your market share? What are you going to charge? How are you going to get your customers? Like think through the business first. How are you mm-hmm. going to make money? How soon you, how are you going to make money? Mm-hmm. What is it going to take to get a product to market to start making money? Because in today's economy, Money, like cash and revenue is king. Not what you raise, not investors. It's like, can you make money? Can this be profitable? And if she can flesh it out, you know, what's your price point? Who are your customers? What's the market size? How are you going to get the product made? What is the product? How many people on your team do you need? How much money do you need to operate this business every month if you're not monetizing? Mm. Know all these things Mm -hmm. before you even talk to an investor. Okay. And then when you talk to an investor, make sure you know how you're going to return their money your plan to give them their money back, your plan to grow their their wealth because it's all about um, making it beneficial to them. Mm. We already know it's going to benefit you because it's going to go into your business and your idea. You always position it as how it's going to benefit them, okay. appeal to their desires. Mm-hmm. And at the time, a lot of my investors in the beginning, either they were already investing in small things as like angel investors here and there, or they really wanted to be associated with the lifestyle that my shoes brought, which was celebrities and parties and Mm. events and VIP because I was already in that life. And so this was another way to stay in that life. So that appealed to them. They wanted to be associated with something that was in the mix. So you have to really uh, play to people's desires and know what's going to, what's going to make them want to do it for them, not for you. First of all, I'm so inspired.
2: Like, this is this this literally just in these few minutes that we've been talking has set me free.
4: What? what? Did you be setting me free? Girl, I'm like, what can I say to her? She's the coach of the coaches. So. You legit
2: just set me free just in the conversation. Like sometimes it's just that small thing that you need to get from somebody. But the transition for me happened when you said, oh, I'm not asking for help. I'm not asking for money. I am extending an opportunity. I'm extending an opportunity. And then in what you just said too, uh, it's really important. It's just like for me, like I, I, I correlate everything to like business and how I run business. And people are always asking, how do I get a mentor? How do I find a mentor? How do I find, you know, get someone who wants to mentor me? And the first thing that I ask is, what value do you have to offer a mentor? So now that person who's like, how do I get an investor? How do I how do I get somebody to invest in my business is what's the value proposition to the potential investor? Right. But speaking, uh, speaking to things that would excite them. Yes. So the value proposition to one investor may be something completely and uniquely different yes. to somebody else. Yes. And sometimes we're just asking the wrong people. Yes.
4: And and I learned this from nonprofit fundraising. I went to school for nonprofit fundraising. And we learned how to build what's called a constituency model. Mm-hmm. And this helps me. I, I, I still think like this. Who are all the people in your pool of, in your warm market? Yeah. People that you can text, call, email, they answer.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Then what you have to kind of put them in buckets because what you don't want to do is ask a person that could give you 20,000 to give you a 1,000.
3: Mm-hmm. You know,
4: so you have to think what, I'm gonna segment this. How much money do I need? All right, I need. Let's say I need half a million. I have twenty people. Some people, if I ask them for a thousand dollars, it's too low. Like that, I could have asked them for t- for for twenty thousand. Yes. Some people, all they can afford is a thousand. Yes. So I put them in buckets of what to ask. Put them in buckets of like what's important. So I say, all right, I need, I need two investors going to give me a hundred thousand. I need five investors that's going to give me twenty. Then I can go out and get twenty investors that'll give me ten. I might get a couple of them that, you know, you break it down to like, who are your community and what can you ask them for? What appeals to them? Mm-hmm. And you really create separate pitches for all That's of probably. them to give them the value of what you think they can, what they can do. Mm-hmm. And I found myself a lot of times asking for, Not enough or too much, but you got to find that person's like sweet spot. Yeah. And so that's what I was able to do. I got an investor that gave me $90,000 because I knew, I mean, I asked him, but I didn't ask my $10,000 investor. I knew that 10 was her, her cap. Right. But I also knew it was important to her being VIP, being able to get the clout that come along with this.
2: So let me ask about that. So let's say your $10,000 investor, your friend who invested in your business. She wanted the VIP. She wanted the clout. How do you deliver that? Because of your connections that you yeah, had? Yeah, because of
4: my connections. And it because, you know, when we do events, like when Flat Out does events or does sponsorships or when we are have celebrity, I get invited. I get invited to all kinds of stuff. She'll be my plus one. I know mm-hmm. you want to be here. Like, even next week, we have an interview next week with, like, a big uh company featuring Flat Out of Heels. I invited her. Okay. I know she likes the looks.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: So, I'm going to give it to you. Yeah, Because... That's what's important Wait, because
2: now we're friends, and yeah, you, I want I mean, to I <laughs> <laughs> I wanna, I
4: wanna come to got you. I want to come to Yeah, just like, out there. it is, you know, and I, I figure out what makes, what gets people excited, because keep in mind, she invested 12, 12 years ago almost, and I haven't paid her money back yet. We haven't sold the company. You get paid back when you exit.
2: No, let's talk so about it. So how do I
4: keep adding value so they don't feel like, damn, Wait I've been waiting 12 years to get my Because
2: money the investor-like conversations that I've had – Are how soon do I start to make my money back, right?
4: Then you know they don't understand investing.
2: And and the person seeking the investor, seeking the investment doesn't understand. Mm -hmm. Because one of the mistakes that I see people making all the time, which is why historically I have been more of a fan of uh, funding, right? Mm -hmm. From banks and other organizations, grants, funding, things like that. Mm Because one of the mistakes that I see people make is, hey, if you give me $100,000 um, in the next three months or six months, I'll be able to start paying you back X, Y, and Z. And the reality is, that is not the truth it could for most be if people. that's your
4: agreement. I mean, you're right. That's a stretch.
2: That's a stretch. That's a, that's I mean, a big stretch. usually when you are seeking investment, right, you've allocated that money somewhere. Mm-hmm. Now, I heard someone say one time that when they go out and they get investment, uh, they consider payback. Right. And that's mm-hmm. in the amount of money that they're seeking. Mm-hmm. So they're able to start making payments mm-hmm. to investors that require that they mm-hmm. actually raise that that money. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of and and we're speaking to a lot of newer entrepreneurs. They've probably been bootstrapping to this point. Um, th- they're not really familiar with that language. So I love what you just said. Okay.
4: That's, you know, you can return their money. I've returned multiple people's money. That was a peer lending arrangement. They're peer, peer, not a bank. I'm, 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 I'm borrowing money from private individuals. Okay. Well, I've had people on my network loan me Mm 25,000 and I gave it back already. You know, Mm -hmm. I'll say, okay, let me borrow. For example, here's a perfect example. A couple years ago, not even a couple, a long time ago, eight years ago, we were doing a deal with Groupon. And I needed a, a lot of inventory because you have to have the inventory available for them to go out through the Groupon. So I didn't have, I wasn't, you know, my cash flow wasn't where I could front all this inventory, like 20000 mm-hmm. So I went to my aunt, who's, you know, thank goodness for a couple of wealthy relatives in there. But I had to prove myself for many years before I can get any money oh, out of Oh, that's the them. hardest
2: person to get money yeah, from. Yeah, exactly.
4: <laughs> so I'm like, listen, I'll, let me get this. Let me, let me borrow 15000 and I'll give you 50 cent from every pair of shoes sold on this deal. And then I'll give you, you know, wh- whatever the interest was, 5%. How it much was, were the
2: shoes being sold for? They
4: were being sold for, well, shit, it was Groupon. So they make you discount. I think my, my margin, so my net, was probably about $9.
2: Okay, so you're giving her 50%. 50 cents. I mean, 50 cents, cents of every that's sale. That's not bad. Right. So that's
4: like an upside for her, right? Mm-hmm. So it ended up being like maybe four or $5,000 um, mm-hmm. royalties. And it was it worked out. Okay, you know that's not an investor though. That's a like a short term agreement. You know okay. that that they get their money back. But people that want to hold equity and want to be a part owner, that's mm. different. So we're talking. If we're you having... want to have the same share class as me, you want to play in my lane as a owner.
2: Mm-hmm. You got to ride out.
4: As a owner. And
2: I think it's very important to understand the difference between taking a loan mm-hmm. and receiving an investment.
4: Very different. Yeah. Very, very different. very different. Your aunt was a lender. As a lender. Okay. Yes. Now,
2: how many owners are the are these shareholders that you have established? Shareholders. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many shareholders mm-hmm. do you have in your company right now?
4: Um, about six hundred and fifty. Really? Yeah. Because in the beginning, um, I had about ten. So the first Hey, hey, are you a service-based entrepreneur that helps
2: your clients or customers get some type of result, but you're struggling to post and communicate your message on social media? You don't know how to type a caption that connects and gets people's attention and converts them from just someone who's following you on social to becoming your customer or your client. Great news is
4: Eight years of my business, I only had about ten. I had my first investors. A couple friends came in. A couple clients came in, and then we just grew from cash flow. You mm-hmm. know, we just supported the business from operations, from sales. But then I want to take the business to another level because I really want to exit it. I want to. I want to acquisition. It's time to return the investors' money. Mm-hmm. The way you do that is through a liquidity event, which liquidity is a merger acquisition, or go on public. But I'm not IPOing with this company. It's this lifestyle business. You know, IPO lifestyle business. Okay, teach so, me, girl. So I'm gonna do a merger or acquisition. So I need more money because I have to grow, I have to hit certain metrics to get acquisition at the 5X multiple that I'm trying to get. Okay. And I need more money because I got to increase the revenue and the marketing. It can't longer kind of be flat or like go up and down a little bit. So I decided to do a crowdfunding campaign. And that's like my... Expertise, Like I'm the first female founder in the world to raise over a million dollars in a crowdfunding campaign under the new Jobs Act. Mm-hmm. So that's like what I what I can do. I, I'm good at getting communities to invest in things. Mm-hmm. And so I raised money from about six hundred and forty investors on Start Engine. And they the minute of uh, the average is about one hundred fifty dollars from those people. So mm-hmm. I raised two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Just to for growth capital, okay, and then now I'm working to return that to those people within a three year period because that's their general, they're retail investors. Yeah, so that's their general expectation because these are people that are used to being able to get liquidity from the stock market. Mm-hmm. You go invest in Apple today, within forty eight hours, you can go flip that stock, sell it right back.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Even though it's not publicly traded, it's privately held, but I, they still have a, a expectation of a faster return. Mm-hmm investors like my friend are like early stage investors who understand it's a long game and they're looking for the bigger return later on or they're, they're investing for the retirement. Is kind of different. So, I mean, there's plus and minuses to having all these people on your cap table, like all these investors. Yeah. But it's low-hanging fruit if you have a good network. And me, I have a massive network. Mm-hmm. And it was easier for me to go out and say, hey, all these people that support me for now at this point, 15 years, you want to invest in what I'm doing? You want an opportunity to ride this out with me? you know, minimum investments, a hundred dollars. And so that we, we sold out that round. Um,
2: wow. Okay. So what happens? First of all, do you, because I know everybody's going to be asking, do you, is this a service that you offer in terms of helping people crowdfund?
4: I do. I do coaching, um, my website, DawnDixon.me. Let's get it. Yeah, I do. I do. Um, and I've thought about doing larger, but right now I do one-on-ones. I've done some master classes in 2020 and 2021, uh, but it does take a lot out of you. So I do one-on-one coaching now for people that, but I'm very specific with who I work with. Um, I kind of coach them from zero to one million as far as either generating your first one million in sales or raising your first million dollars um, Mm -hmm. from investors. And as you mentioned before, you like funding because it's like you like banks or grants. And I've literally raised money and acquired money every way possible, mm-hmm. except for government contracts because that's not the space that I play in. Okay. But grants, crowdfunding, venture capital, accelerator programs, business loans, um, pitch competitions—I've won two hundred fifty thousand from pitching. Um, what else? I mean, all of the things, My, uh, peer-to-peer loans the Shopify loans, the PayPal loans, like all the ways. Yes, yes, yes. So I really kind of coach them on what's the best way, because it's all about timing Mm -hmm. and understanding. Like we talked about a second ago and a lender versus an investor expectations of getting, of paying back and expectations of holding for the long, long haul. Mm -hmm. But if you feel like you're building a business that you want to keep in your family, you don't want to take investor money cuz they need liquidity they need to exit. Mm. So unless you have a buyout plan for them in a reasonable time period, you should just take loans.
2: That is really good, Don. Yeah. I don't want that to be missed. So anything that you want to pass down throughout your legacy, mm-hmm. you would not advise an investor relationship.
4: No, because invest unless you have a, a situation where it's a buyout where you invest for 5 years and then you're going to I'm going to give you liquidity in your contractors to should say that Mm -hmm. not like pending, like my investors are waiting for me to exit. They're just waiting for me to sell the company. Mm -hmm. They trust me that I'm going to do that. They don't have a buyout period because they know I want to sell it. Mm -hmm. But if this was a business that I was holding on to, I want my daughter to work for, I want to keep it in the family. Um, no, because how are they going to get out?
2: That's a good, how they ever going to get their money back. Yeah. They
4: only get their money back like the venture capital model. And like, the IPOs, they only get their money back. People get rich when that bell ring, mm-hmm. when that stock IPO. Mm-hmm. People get rich when you do an acquisition and you get the payout. Right. And then you split up the, the money that you that you make from that sale.
2: And so, obviously, when you're seeking investors, just like getting funding, you have to have a business plan together for it's that. It's not
4: even any more like the business plan that you and I know, like, from, right. you know, we're...
2: I don't have a business plan. Yeah, you don't need a business plan. Yeah, I don't plan. have one.
4: I, I never need needed a business, business plan. plan. You need a pitch deck. Okay. You need a deck just okay. to... Lay out the problem, solution, opportunity, the market size, your sustainable, addressable market, how many people you can capture from that, how you're going to go to market, who's on your team, how much money you're raising, how you're going to use that money, and how Mm -hmm. you're going to return that money. Mm. That's a 10-page deck.
2: Pitch deck. Mm -hmm. Make it real cute. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you were holding these, when you were extending these opportunities, were these like one-on-one lunches, dinner? Did you do meetings, Zooms? Well, Yeah, Zoom wasn't around then. Zoom wasn't there. There wasn't these
4: things, so, you know. I, I'm grateful for a Zoom these days, but I'm in I'm in people's face. I'm flying around the country. I'm meeting with them in person. The the phone calls and Zoom was like impersonal in the '90s and early 2000s. You just go meet with people. Yeah. You had to have a meeting. Yeah. So I'm meeting with people. Yeah. I'm I'm flying to every conference possible. I was at all the conferences, building my network. Um, I was sending out newsletters that I created. Like I would go go pe- go to people at conferences, meet them, get a business card, put them on my on my email list, I would send a monthly like newsletter about what I have going on, what I'm excited about. Building relationships in every way possible mm-hmm. so that when I was ready to ask for something, they didn't just hear from me when I wanted something. You wanted something. I built relationships. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is lost these days with like the instant gratification culture. Mm-hmm. But There's a book I read when I was younger called A Personal Touch by Terry Williams. She was mm-hmm. a publicist. And just talk about the value of doing things like writing hand handwritten notes or sending a thank you card or, you know, doing those kind of follow ups or sending touch points. And that I feel like is what has been has been the catalyst for my early career and success and raising money was just that I was very personal with people.
2: Mm, I love that. So today, when you uh, seek investors or you're building relationships now we have the internet. We have phone text mm-hmm. messages. All the Are you leveraging that or are you still like an upfront in your face type of woman?
4: Oh no. I'm I'm I think I'm thankful for the technology. Uh I, I'm in person when I have to be, but I definitely leverage technology to do like in person but group, you mm-hmm. know? So I'll do town halls, I'll do lives, I'll do any way that I can touch people. I do everywhere that I can touch people. I mm-hmm. send emails still, I send my monthly emails. Um I like to I'll I'll be in person. But select people like I have to really like see who I'm who am I going to invest my in-person time with. Yeah. You know? And it definitely has to be mutually beneficial. Like yeah. We're going to be pouring it giving into each other. Mm-hmm. But um, a lot of things can get done uh, online. But after COVID now and people are back to wanting to be in person again, I still feel like conferences is a great way to just knock out a whole bunch of touch points.
2: Mm. You know, I love that so much. I talk all the time about growing your network, right? So I have been able to build my business 100% organically, you know, for the most part. And it's not necessarily by choice, but it was by design. Facebook Mm -hmm. just does not care for me and (laughs) they will not let me run ads, right? Every single time I have tried to run ads, my account gets banned or disabled. And so I don't have the ability to run ads. And even when we tried, like for the week that they worked, they the ads just weren't converting. So my sauce is much like yours, just meeting people and building relationships. Mm-hmm. And you guys, I cannot tell you enough times how important attending conferences and mixers and networking events are to your success. Like you can't reach the people that you want to reach just on Instagram alone. Right. That's
4: one of the touch points. That's one of the touch points.
2: And that's just the starting point Mm -hmm. for a touch point. Like you have to figure out if you're networking online you know, seeking people online, you have to figure out how to transition that conversation from the social media platform to your, your, your phone, your phone yep. in person. Don, I can't tell you how many times uh, I've been like, my Instagram page has been hacked. I think a total of four times in the last two years, if I had kept all of the relationships that I built or started on Instagram there, I would have lost all of my contacts. Right. right? people would not be able to find me to know what I'm doing. I wouldn't have been able to attract high value clients as quickly as I'm able to do today. If I didn't master the art of moving the conversation along, mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about that because you talk about going to conferences, but you said something and you went by, you went over it so quickly that I want to make sure people get it because they'll people like to take from you what they want to take from you and like, leave everything else out yeah. of it. You said, I went to conferences, I collected emails, business cards. I went and put those contacts on an email list. I reach out to them with, I think at that time you were sending, uh, you know, weekly emails, once a month, once a month monthly you get emails, on once a month. Let's talk about that because sometimes people think showing up for the conference is enough, but also not just showing up for the conference They're not connecting with the right people. Right. Yeah. We'll go to conferences with our girlfriend and the only person we talk to the whole time is the girlfriend or people that we're already really familiar with. And we go and have lunch and we sit at the table with our familiar network. Let's talk about how you work these rooms and conferences.
4: You know, I'm that kind of person like I want to sit with my friends mm-hmm. and not talk to anyone. I actually am an introvert. Mm-hmm. Strangers are like uncomfortable for me. Yeah. So, this is this is my hack. Okay. I always go to an event with a friend that's super outgoing. That's like the person that talks to everybody, that gets to know everybody, that's the master networker. That's okay. my wing person. I okay. always have one of those. And they are the ones that go around talking to everybody. They kind of figure out the room, and then they'll introduce me to people. So normally I meet people from getting introduced because I'll know, like, good people in the room already. I'll I'll have a couple friends in there. I'll tell them what my intentions are. Like, I'm really looking to meet – let's say I'm looking to meet some investors, looking to meet some people in the retail space. So they'll be like, okay, here, you need to meet this person, this person, that person. My other hack is I like to, like, um, assess the room. So. Usually a conference will have like a, a a program, or you know you'll see the speakers or who's attending, and I'll kind of go through and say, okay, who's the people here from what company that I need to meet, and I'll go looking for them. That part. I'll go looking for those people. Mm-hmm. I don't like small talk. Mm-hmm. I get real awkward. Like I get real uncomfortable. Oh, where you go to school? Or oh, where you live? Oh, okay. I have a puppy. So like, I got two minutes of
2: that before I'm, I'm about to die, out.
4: like on the spot. <laughs> I need to be intentional. So like. Being very intentional means doing your homework ahead of time.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Then
4: also letting people know, like, people that you're there with or your network there, like, hey, I'm looking to meet somebody from Shopify. Like, if you come across somebody, like, plug me in. Who are you trying to meet? All right, bet. If I happen to see somebody at the table that's sitting next to me or – Oh, you should meet my friend. Like, okay, my friend will plug me in. So you kind of have to have, like, for me, it's like a team thing. Because yeah. I'm not going to walk around and say hi to everybody. Yeah. And, and, and I will never walk up to nobody and say, hey, I'm Dawn. What's your name? What do you do? Yeah, I th- that well, that's the creepy approach.
2: weird to me. That's that's the creepy it approach. It happens
4: to me a lot at conferences. Yeah. They walk up and they'll just, like, stand on the side and be there. And, like, I'm like, <laughs> okay, waiting for why you are are they right to... there? <laughs> and then they're like, hey, uh, so what do you do? And I just be wanting to, like, disappear. Like, that. yeah. So I think it's being, like, very intentional about what do you want to get out of that conference? Why are you there? Because Mm -hmm. there's a reason why you're there. Mm -hmm. Who do you want to meet? What do you, Mm -hmm. what do you want? And just like focus on that and not just meeting anybody that you can.
2: Yeah. I recently, I'm a part of this mastermind and a couple of months ago, maybe three months or so we're in Austin, Texas and one of the activities. So they have, is so cool. They have this app. Um, I don't remember my login to it right now, but they have this app that manages all of their, um, manages all of their mastermind members. And there's hundreds of us that are in this mastermind. And so when you attend a live event, one of the activities is to go around the room as meet and meet as many people as you can. Right. And you go in and you mark the names of all these people that you met and you're supposed to find something out about them and, and you earn these points. Mm. And at the end of it, you know, at the end of the conference, whoever has the most points wins. I love and hate that activity, I hate the activity because it's a numbers game where you're just walking around saying, Hey, I'm Donnie. Tell me something interesting about you. Okay, let me put it in the app real quick. I got it. All right, move on. Oh, hey, I'm Donnie. Hate that part. But I love it because it's an open invite, people are expected. Or expecting to be met and to be talked to and introduced. And one of my cheat codes is to wait until you see an opportunity where people are inviting you into their space. So in this activity, you're automatically being invited. But my goal is to never win the competition. I don't care to meet 50 people in this room. I want to quickly meet someone that I can offer value to and receive that mm-hmm. like a mutually beneficial. And be res- like, let
4: me plug you into the other 49 people that exactly. you didn't even talk to, but I'm going to give you an assist. So they're going to already trust you because it's coming from somebody. They know. Yes, yes, like, yes. And so nobody wants a cold stranger. We'll stand doesn't. up in the, at, you know, after we come back
2: from the lunch break or something and we'll stand up and they're like, uh, stand up for us if you met seventy five people, and there's people in the room. Stand up if you keep standing, or or it's like stand up if you met twenty five. Keep standing if you met fifty. Keep standing if you met seventy five, and then they'll sit you down. Well, if you didn't meet at least ten people, raise your hand, and that's always meet me. Why not? Or how many people did you meet? Three, three. I wanted to have valuable conversations, and ninety percent of the time. I'm going to have a better outcome yes. from these relationships than the person who goes into these environments to meet everybody in the room. It just doesn't
4: make any sense. It doesn't.
2: And you said something so important. I do this too. It might be why we, you know what I mean? Um, I, whenever I'm attending an event, especially if I have advanced notice, I've already identified what I need to get from this event, what information that I need, what connection I need, what people I need to meet. What do I need to get from this event? Events literally changed my life. I started to learn how important events were back in 2012 when I was in the network marketing industry, if you're in MLM and you're not attending the events, you, you're not successful. Like anybody who told me, Oh yeah, I did MLM. Oh, I didn't really go to the super Saturdays. I didn't go to the conferences. I know you didn't make any money yeah. because you literally built that business from event to event to event. That's where the big things happen. The big connections are made. You connect with the big mentors. I treat my business the same way, Don, which is why I am always investing in myself and attending conferences. For me, attending, attending, Conferences and masterminds, networking events is the equivalent of like church for my personal life. Yes. That's like church for my business. And I get Donnie, how do you stay motivated? I go to conferences. Yes. I attend events. Yes. Consistently. I read books. I'm building relationships with the people that I've already met. Yes. Right. How do you stay motivated? To do- This is how you stay motivated. You can't do anything big by yourself.
4: No, I don't know why people think that. People be like I'm self-made. No, you're not. There's nobody that's self-made. It doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. You had a customer. Somebody put you on. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. Somebody <laughs> put you on. Like, what are you talking about? Somebody need paid an people. invoice. You, yeah. yeah, you need people. So, I think I mean that's 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 really valid what you're saying. And for me, it's like the, the other hack is a lot of times we'll go to a conference cuz like a speaker's there or somebody we really want to get in touch with like mm-hmm. a big person. Mhm. But I won't be the one waiting after in that long ass line. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So yeah, my yeah. hack is two things: before the conference, I reach out to them because I'm the cold LinkedIn reach out queen, and I've gotten many results LinkedIn and Twitter. Okay, on reach reaching out to people. LinkedIn okay. and Twitter. That's it. Don't try Facebook. Do not try Instagram. LinkedIn and Twitter. So I reach out like you're speaking at. The conference that I'm attending, can we, can we grab coffee? Can I, but I'll be very specific. Like, I would like to talk to you about how you were able to take to like, it'll be very specific question. Mm -hmm. Like when I got my, my board member, Jeff Hoffman, who's a founder of Priceline, one of the founders of Priceline, I reached out to him and I said, I would like to speak with you about how you were able to convince a large, um, how, how you were able to convince airlines to adopt automated retail technology. What, what tools did you use to get them to change the way they do business? That was a real specific question. Yes. And he hit me back. And we've talked since then. If, I, if you ever say, hell, let's connect. Nobody wants that. Let me pick your brain. Nobody wants that. Oh, well, I think me and you should just talk. We, I see some synergies. Nobody wants that. Be very specific. What do you want from them? Yeah. And what can you bring? So I'll say, can we meet, have coffee before that? Sometimes they say, sometimes they don't. Then I always ask the question. Mm. I have to be seen because it's a whole room of people so when it's time for questions and answer, I'm waiting to say, okay, what can, what question can I ask so they can see my face and see me and remember me. Mm-hmm. So then when they see me in the mingling or at the networking, they've already seen my face. They've already, I've already said, my name is Don Dixon. I am, you know, at the time, maybe founder of FlatOut or founder of Popcom. How did you do X, Y, Z? What's your take on this? And they answer. And then there it is. They know me mm. and then I can get in, you not standing, something. not standing in line, waiting to just get a Oh, hey, I was so inspired by what you said. Like, okay. Everybody in the That room happens to me. I'm a professional yeah. speaker now. I get paid very well to speak, and it'll be long lines waiting to say hi to me. And r- few of them I ever talk to again because they don't have intention when they're coming to talk to me. They or just want to say hi or tell me something. Yeah,
2: and even if you went, like, to lunch right after and saw them, you wouldn't likely recognize Nothing their stood face. out.
4: Like, nothing stood out. There's a few I keep in touch with because they were very intentional. Mm -hmm. Very intentional about, about what they want. I even had somebody like that yesterday. This girl, she watched my live. She went as far as making a whole video and putting it on YouTube, a pitch to me. And it was five minutes, so it wasn't too long. But she was like, here's my pitch. I saw your live. I would like to help you with something. Please consider me. And she did a whole video on why I should have a talk with her. I definitely am talking to her.
2: Listen, first of all... Dawn, I don't even know if we should share this because now everybody's going to start <laughs> dang, doing it. I know that's,
4: dang, but don't those video
2: pitches get me every single time. Got me. So especially, so here's here's a, here's a cheat code. If you see someone that you want to be connected to, first understand how you can add value to that person. Right? Yeah. You understand how you that's can add value, but you don't necessarily. Le- you could you send just a direct message that's like text. Words, Mm -hmm. you could. It doesn't always get seen, right? Very, very small chance, depending on how big of a following this person has. But you know what we love? We love recognition. We love to see our name. So anytime somebody tags me in something like in their stories, I watch
4: it. Me too.
2: Whenever I see such and such mentioned you in their story, I am absolutely going to see that message, right? Mm -hmm. I go and look at it or sometimes, you know, the notifications depends on depending on what day it is come so quickly. But if I happen to see your notification in my, in my, in my, in my my, notification feed and it says I was tagged in a post, I'm going to go look at it. And I can remember two times that somebody actually Uh, One, there was an issue with the website that I still have. I don't use it anymore, but people obviously still find this website. And this young lady sent me a video with a green screen. My website is in the background. She's talking and she's pointing out on that on that website, hey, Donnie, I was just on your website. I went to go and search for something. I noticed an issue that I can help you with. Here is blah, 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 blah. That's wrong with your site. All I would do is this, this, and this. This is what it would look like. This is how long it would take me to fix it. If you're interested, here's my number. Girl, let me call you right now. Because my team didn't even notice that. I am interested, right? I didn't notice it. It's not a website that's heavily uh advertised yeah. by me, but people still find it. And then I had somebody else, a photographer that I've ended up um, working with now a lot, do the very same thing. So I had a photographer who took an event, who took a picture of me at an event. And they said, hey, I always hear you talking about like your skin issues and the struggle that you have with that sometimes. And how you don't like like super close up, you know, stuff if you're breaking out. First of all, I loved it because you remembered that paid rather attention. than you paid attention rather than the photographer that just comes right in my face. You see that I'm breaking out right now. Don't do me. Don't do that. So what they did was um, I was at an event and at this particular event, I had a hormonal breakout. They sent me my photo in video of the original photo and then they sent the photo of it lightly touched because I also talk about how I don't like the overuse of filters yes, and photo shoot and, mm-hmm. and Photoshop and stuff like that. So they sent me a very lightly touched photo. And I was just like, wow, that was so you remembered something about me. That's an emotional connection to me. Right. If you struggle with your skin like me, you know how it can make you feel sometimes. So you remembered that about me. You sent me a picture. You sent me how you could make my picture look just lightly. Asked me-
3: When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% Sign up and download Grammarly for free at grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done.
0: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify?
1: Every time.
2: And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular
1: price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
2: For nothing and just said, I just wanted to give this to you. I called them. And said, "Hey, how much are your how much are your prices? I would yeah. love for you to get like just lifestyle content of me without overly, you know, because I feel like if you can't see the pores at all, like it's just too it much. It looks too
4: fake. And it's just mm-hmm. too fake,
2: right? I want I want you guys to see my pores. I just don't want you to see my pimples, right? <laughs> right? Exactly. So exactly.
4: anyway, um, I'm the same way. Th- this that's I have that same story. Yeah. Like literally, that happened yeah. to me as well. Really, paying it forward, a personal touch, mm-hmm. it goes very very far. Mm-hmm. That's how I hire my videographer." Saw me at an event. They, I didn't ask them to do this. They shot, they shot the event, edited it up for me, and just sent me for free a nice, very dope clip that I could post on social media. That was yes. just really done well. I said, "Oh, this is nice. Can I hire you?" Yeah. They ended up getting hired for a year. Yes. So it, I mean, it happens when you just a personal touch, paying it forward though. Mm-hmm. We all got to do some stuff for free. Yeah. You never know where that's gonna get you. Sometimes you do something for free and you don't get nothing back. But I trust if you believe and you have faith. It's going to come back to you Timbo. somewhere. Back. Yeah. Maybe not from where you want it to or where you think it should, mm-hmm. but it's coming back to you. Yeah. So just paying it forward is a way that I've always found helpful for me, even in my growth. And I always, I, I gravitate towards people who are not asking for something. Mm-hmm. I get asked for something constantly. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to do something for me and, and paying it forward and show me what you can do and why I should work with you and it's dope, I'm definitely going to work with you. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely going to do it.
2: I love that. There's so many people who are pitching things. Like, find your unique way to stand out. So we were talking about, and I want to bring a close to that conversation about how to properly network at an event, whether it's a conference or just, you know, I'm going to a networking event on Monday here in Atlanta. And as I understand it, there's going to be like 40 people. This is an event that happens monthly. There's going to be like 40 people in the room that are hand picked, right? Invited because you either have a high level of information. Maybe you have a high network and just creating the space to, to mix and mingle, right? See what happens. But identify, number one, what you need to get from that event, right? Identify what you need to get, whether it's a piece of information, a person that you need to be connected to. Uh, Number two, positioning yourself in a way where you stand out. One of the things that I like to do, first of all, your girls gonna stand out. Whatever I have on is going to be a standout piece, right? And they stand out in a good way. I'm seeing a lot of ladies come into events right now dressed like half naked. Like we're going to to business conferences, like we're going to the club. And it bothers me. It's Dawn. inappropriate. It bothers me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It like I just
4: we from a different time though and even though we don't look like this, I know. get us real quick uh, uh, <laughs> uh, We are not new to this. we true to this. yeah. and so this new generation it's it's, it's different.
2: It is different but, it,
4: but it's not appropriate and you're not going to get the results you want if they don't if people don't look at you and respect you in yeah. your stature and in your attire.
2: I try to be so open-minded. I really do. I just think that we've lost the element of time and place. I think we've lost the element of time and place, but I try to be so open minded because when we were kids, I remember it's like I remember the day that you no longer had to wear pantyhose in church. Right. Girl, because, you know, growing up, you had to have your little lace stockings on. And and I I remember two things happened during our young adult lives um, or youth. One, we stopped wearing pantyhose. And I remember the elders at that time was like, You heathen, where are your stockings? You're going to a job interview with no stockings on. Stockings were a thing, and you might as well have been a whore if you didn't wear them, right? mm -hmm. And then I also remembered the day that it it feels like I remember the day, but the time where you could wear jeans to work.
4: Yes, like Casual Friday. Casual Friday. we were dressing up in a suit back then. Like, we're wearing suits. We're wearing wearing suits to work in the mall. Yeah, like blouses. They don't know what a blouse slacks, is. skirts, <laughs> pencil skirts, suits, yes. heels. We yes. lived in heels. We lived in heels. We lived in heels. It was not appropriate to wear flats, It actually.
2: was not appropriate. So I, I can remember, I remember in corporate America, even some of the women would be like, you wear heels every day. And I'm like, yeah, you don't. Ooh. Yeah. You know, I remember being on my college campus, Going to class with heels on like I was dressed always. So it's a struggle. And again, I have a 20 year old daughter and, you know, I've had to check her sometimes. Like, what do you think you're wearing to this particular place? Because your girl is like stacked and she'll have her stomach out. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, you cute. And I did my time with stomach out, girl. I, I And I listen, y'all,
4: I'm Mine's not judging out.
2: Yeah, My stomach is always out. My stomach <laughs> is often out because yes. it can be. You know what I mean? All right. But it's not out at a business no, meeting.
4: Absolutely not.
2: It's or not my of, breast.
4: Or it's not out at, it's not They're at not a out. business meeting. What you have right here is perfect. That's, perfect. That's the furthest down you should hit it when you're at work.
2: When you're at work, right? Now y'all know that y'all, you know, my girls are one of my favorite parts of my body. So, but when we're at work and especially women who communicate things like I have, a, I have an issue with men staying focused and not wanting to sleep with me. Is it fair that we have to consider those things? No. But is it a reality? Yes. And there are just some things that we can do to help, like just... Be fly, be as yeah. fly as you want. And again, I think it's important that you understand, like I was the girl on the club flyer. You were promoting the event event. You were probably hiring me to be that girl on your flyer. Okay. Mm. It, at that time, you missed an opportunity girl. Yeah, Cause I, 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 brought, an opportunity. I brought the boys out. Oh, Did you hear me?
4: <laughs> you know what? I, you probably was. <laughs> right, and I just didn't realize right. you just it. Didn't you know. probably was. Yeah.
2: I was the girl that was on club flyers with my bunny costumes and stuff for Halloween. So I am not shallow by any stretch of the imagination or well, not, 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 not shallow. I'm not like overly conservative by any yeah. stretch of the imagination, but we still, I just wish we get back to time and place.
4: Yeah. Time and place is important. And, and they'll say, well, you know, we women are free and you can't tell us what to do and we're going to have our bodies out. And we, cause it's like this new thing where you're where, and I understand cause my daughter's the same way, like this toxic masculinity and this is why yeah, things are that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah but we still live in this society Mm -hmm. and I understand it. Things shouldn't be the way that they are. They're not fair, Mm -hmm. but do you want to win or not? Like, (laughs) do you want to win or not?
2: You trying to be successful or not? Are you trying
4: to like change it and make a change? I'm not about to be out here advocating. I'm trying to advocate for me and get ahead and I'm not going to, you know, try to change the system right now. I'll make my little changes there, but it's still the way it is In, 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 in corporate and, in a certain level of even entrepreneurship. You know, when you're getting up to an entrepreneur and you're in the seven-figure, eight-figure entrepreneurship, you're in different rooms, you're in different scenarios. You have to fall in line with what is the culture Mm -hmm. that you're a part of at that time. What is Mm -hmm. the culture of the environment that you're going into? Yeah, and you
2: have to understand what you want your outcome to be. There are some people who are change makers in a way that they want to shock the culture, right? I want to shift the culture. Yes. So, you know, I believe that my purpose is heavily and directly attached to activating entrepreneurs, helping people to become the best versions of themselves. And that's how I contribute mm-hmm. to our culture. I feel like if we have more people who are actually seeking to become the better version of themselves every single day, then we end up having a better world. We have more families staying together as a result. We have less um, less of a wealth gap, you know, as a result. And if we can fix our family, we can fix our the wealth gap. If we can if we can eliminate a lot of that wealth gap, and if we can keep people happy, that is the first step. Yep. The first step, I believe, to really fixing a lot of what's wrong with our world today. But then there are, uh, like I said, shock value people who want to, you know, shock a culture. So and and you would be the person who says, No, I can show up with a bra on under my shirt and it shouldn't be a problem. Look, fight for what you believe
4: in. Yeah. We're, we're not trying to stop you for it's just not our thing. Um and it ain't not gonna be a problem per se, but you definitely may not may lose out on opportunities because of how you may be perceived. And yeah, it is what it is. When I was
2: looking uh before my current assistant, when I was looking for an assistant Um, I like to do interviews in three parts. And now since, you know, the pandemic and everything, I I don't have an office. So I work from home Mm -hmm. and I met with a young lady who had made it through a phone, her first phone interview so well that I skipped the second interview and I wanted to do what I would normally do in the second interview in person and just cut to the chase because I really needed this person to start. And girl, I met her. Uh, I invited her to meet me for breakfast. Your girl came in see-through pants with her boy shorts showing underneath. She was fly. Now she looked. She was. She looked good. Okay, body banging, outfit cute. I'm looking at it like, oh, I wear that in Mexico, right? right. <laughs> girl, where'd you get it? I wear that in Mexico for sure on somebody's beach with somebody's son, right? But I know you didn't. I felt disrespected. I felt like it was in that moment where I'm like, maybe I'm too relatable.
4: Yeah, like like you feel like you can wear that here with me. Like what would make you think? Yeah, I, I feel like, that way too. I'm not
2: expecting you to come in a double breasted custom, you know, lady suit and but I do expect you to mm-hmm. feel like you have to present yourself in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And in that moment it made me like ask myself, what am I giving off to make you think? That you can come to an interview with me. The same thing with men. I know you get it too. Like what?
4: What What? what, what let me well, go check that my profile. Yeah, let like, me go check you, it. What you see that you think this is that? <laughs> this
2: ain't. Yeah. This ain't that.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: This ain't that. Um, and and we just want you to be aware of you know be be who you are because that's one of the principles that I built my business on. Don is being able to be. Uh, fully transparent, fully who I am. If you see me out somewhere and I have on sheer pants with boy shirt, you probably, first of all, see me out of the country Period. in uh tropical weather, right? Exactly. I, I, I get things get a little different when I'm out of the country, but I want you to see me on camera the same way that you would see me off camera. So I try to be really, really relatable in that way. Um, but we have to be presentable. Relatable doesn't mean not presentable. Um, so anyway, I was saying that to say how you stand out. One of my, pe- one of my ways is to, to, to be dressed like to a T. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a color choice or a hairstyle choice or a shoe choice. Shoes is my thing. So it's, it's usually a shoe for me. And then you brought it home with the last point that I want to kind of wrap that part up with, which is uh, the follow up. The follow up is really, really important. If you exchange information, we get into these spaces all the time where we're like, oh, yeah, we should do lunch. And then you never do you lunch and lunch
4: forever, though, because it doesn't make any sense.
2: It doesn't make any sense. Or you end up doing you end up not doing lunch. And then six months later, you run into that person again and you're strangers all over again because you just you had an opportunity. You had a way in, gave you my personal information and oh. you didn't do anything with it. I want to shift a little bit because you are not just the queen of the flat out of heels, but you have like six
4: businesses. I've started over my 23 career. I've started six, but Mm -hmm. not at once because, you know, I believe in mastery. I believe in putting in your 10,000 hours to become a master Mm -hmm. and then you can do something else. So they just happen to accumulate because Mm -hmm. they don't close. Mm -hmm. So I have a business 17 years old right now, business 10 years old, a business 12 years old so those are like my primary three businesses. But then, you know, cash flow, good. 20, when I felt like the world was going to end, I started like three more. Um, Just things, you know, I was in that phase of my life where I'm like, let me just start things that I always wanted to start. Or, mm-hmm. or I seen problems that I felt like I could solve and I had the money to fund my own businesses. Mm-hmm. And so I said, OK, let me let me start some other businesses, Um, you know, for fun yeah. because it was COVID and it was lockdown. It was. You know, but, um, I had to let a couple of those go because when the world opened back up and it's time to get back to business, I'm like, Oh, I'm a little bit spreading myself too thin yeah, and I don't have time to master these things. I
2: was going to ask you, you're bored. Like, how do you find the time to be bored? But I understand the world was different. Yeah, it was different. Yeah.
4: So, I mean, I still have flat out of heels, popcom and D1 consulting. Those are my core businesses. Like I said, D1 started in 20, 2015. Uh, What's D1 do? D1 Consulting has evolved over the years. First, I started out doing um, website development, building people's website, doing marketing strategy. So it was two thousand and five, two thousand and five, yes. Mm-hmm. And so that then it was just like helping people who didn't have a website mm-hmm. get online and create a digital marketing presence. So that okay. was that was timely at the time. That was timely. Yeah. You know, D1 Consulting has evolved with with me and with technology. Now primarily, it's coaching my professional speaking. And like me as a brand ambassador, I get paid pretty well from companies like American Express, Dell, Wells Fargo, T-Mobile and things like that to be like an entrepreneur influencer.
3: So I do that under my
4: consulting and then do my coaching under my consulting. So it's just a matter of like what tax ID number and bank account I run my checks through. Okay. So that's I don't ever have anything made out to myself, my personal name, because my Don Dixon straw man person is worthless. Mm -hmm. My businesses are really how I identify like in this world you know so consulting is like whatever i'm doing it's me i will outsource have contractors but like the d1 consulting is really like the business of being dawn dixon okay and whatever service i'm providing at the time whether it's web development i you know i did some crypto work you know before like whatever i'm focusing on whatever is interesting like right now i'm i'm still doing the coaching and more so helping to just entrepreneurs to raise money and giving them advice on strategies to grow i like that that's what d1 does and then Popcom is a software company. Um, we build software for, software for automated retail, which is vending, which that business was born from Flat Out of Heels mm-hmm. because when I started Flat Out and I wanted to sell shoes and vending machines, nobody would work with me. Nobody would sell me a vending machine. Nobody would. It just didn't exist because the, it did, what I wanted didn't exist. Yeah,
2: because you only put snacks in vending yes, machines so at so that time. so I had time. to create
4: yeah. what I wanted. This was 10 really years think, ago. I really think.
2: I think you were the pioneer of people putting retail products yes, in yes. vending machines. Yes, me
4: and 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 I cannot. I'll be remiss if I didn't mention Gower Smith. He's a he's a, a white man, but he is the father of that. He invented that. His company is that company that has the Best Buy machines and the um, the machines you see in the airports. Oh, okay. So, so with that, your electronics, yeah, electronics, grab you some AirPods, you know, or something. They have a CVS machine, but they only work with major enterprise. So like me, they wouldn't work with me. They I actually went to them and said, "I have an idea to sell my flats in these vending machines." And they said, "Oh, I love the idea. Give us one point two million, and we'll we'll roll it out for you." I'm like, "Well, shit! If I had one point two million, I do it myself." I do it myself. So, as matter of fact, let me do it myself. <laughs> right. Like because this is not making any sense. So yeah. I and then I also didn't want, I also wanted to be innovative in the way that my machines looked. I didn't want that rectangle box with the clear window mm-hmm. and the coils. I just didn't resonate with, like, my my brand. And mm-hmm. the, the, it wasn't the,
2: fabulous it enough. It wasn't
4: fabulous enough. Yeah. So I went and I found a, a manufacturer in Spain to help me um, build my first machine, and that failed. And then I found one in the U.K. to build my second machine, and that one actually worked and okay. sent me on my journey now. And I've built five different machines, and I invented one. I have a patent on one. But that's the one that finally came out. You know, it took me 10 years to just, like, build what I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Did I think that was going to be like that? Absolutely not. (laughs) I thought I was going to go get a vending machine and just put my shoes in it. Yeah. But I ended up starting a company and that's kind of what really brought me to the top of the tech industry and of my particular automated retail industry is because I really innovated a space by bringing technology and redesigning it and bringing that aesthetic to to vending machines, but it came out of me wanting to just sell flat out.
2: And so Popcom actually does this for other companies and brands now.
4: Other companies. So flat out to customer of Popcom. Oh, flat out to customer. Yeah. Popcom has a lot of big customers and we, um, we're, we're doing good. You know, it's, it's hard because I, being in software and hardware and especially hardware as a black woman, as an outspoken black woman and as a black woman, as an advocate for black people and black wealth. Yeah. It's been a challenge, but we've, we've, we've been able to do it.
2: Girl, you have thrown out so many, like, light but not light flexes in that <laughs> 60 seconds that you Ooh. just spoke. She said uh, D1 is basically the business of being Don Dixon.
4: That pays me really <laughs> well, despite anything that ever happened. That, that's how I recession-proof right. my life is mm-hmm. by monetizing me.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. D1 is... Dawn's way of monetizing herself. And then you have Popcom, which uh, is the tech component of your entire uh, portfolio. Mm-hmm. And then you made your baby of Flat Out of Heels, a customer of it, control everything.
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what they call, you know, what, is, what does Nipsey say?
2: Own um, nothing, control yes, everything. So it's just
4: like just having that whole supply chain kind of vertical integration is what he says. Like really support controlling your supply chain and being making money on all the different touch points. Mm-hmm. You know, so flat out wants to sell inventing machines. Cool. They can use vending machines I built and I invented. Cool. They can pay my company monthly to use the software. Like it's just now does pop somebody else.
2: Does Popcom pay D1 for consulting?
4: No, that's a good one. That's but Popcom one. pays me a salary. So okay. the only thing that comes to me is my salary from Popcom. I'm actually an employee. Okay. So I have a job. Sure have a job of my own company. I, I, I'm an employee and PopCom pays me to, so they hire me, like like my company hired yeah. me to run it so they don't have to pay. How consulting. are you structured?
2: Do you have a holding company with all of your I LLCs do. or S-Corps or whatever I underneath? Do, I
4: do have a holding company. Okay. Um, PopCom isn't under it because it's like the structure, it's a, it's a Delaware C-Corporation. It can't come under me because I'm one of many shareholders, even though I'm the controlling shareholder. Mm-hmm. Um, there's many. I have literally about 10,000 Six hundred investors for for Popcoms. So I crowdfunded for there too. I raised seven million dollars, so I can't put under there. But yeah, my consulting company, um, the other sm- my 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 COVID businesses, my RV business is under there. My yoga studios under the holding company. Um, my I have a trust and IRA that I invest in um, self directed IRA that's also under the holding company. So I've shielded myself pretty well. Like I can't be sued basically.
2: I'm 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 interested. So I know why you went to Delaware. Uh,
4: I mean, number one, before I knew even why is because when you're raising venture capital, that's a requirement. Later on, I learned it's because of the basically the liability and mm-hmm. the controls that are yeah. in Delaware and a few other states. I think Nevada mm-hmm. is another one of them. But just out the go, gate. I think. Yes. Mm-hmm. Out the gate. When you want to raise venture capital, the first thing they want you to be is a Delaware C corporation. I was a part of the early, you know, I've been an entrepreneur a long time. First thing you do, get an LLC. Yep. So it was an LLC. Yeah. It was. It was, it was the first thing I did. Oh, I'm going to go get an LLC. But then I had to convert it because mm-hmm. in order to take the money and remove my personal liability and protect my shareholders, I had to incorporate it in Delaware. So now, you know, but now, but my yoga comp- my yoga and my RV is incorporated in Wyoming because it's a little bit, you know, the, the laws. You got to yeah. just like learn the laws. So yeah. I have a good team of people around me that helped me structure my businesses. I have a financial advisor, all these things that I have now after 20 years. But in the beginning I was like, figured it out, winging it. There wasn't no good podcasts and people to listen to, (laughs) to teach you this game. So I was out here really, you know, learning the hard way,
2: Googling and not even the library. Yeah. We're at the library doing research. Asking, Google wasn't
4: Google. Remember, there was about twenty. 20 girl, search engines. it was a whole bunch of slow. I was going to ask slow. Jeeves, like Jeeves, what do I do? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it was so many. It's, yes. it, it just was different. And the computer for us. moved too
2: slow. We actually at that had to time. work really hard. We had time. to work. We really, actually had really, to work. Hard. Like, I was telling
4: my daughter, she's like, I want to get a little part time job. I said, Well, go up there and ask they that hiring. And I was like, Oh shit, you don't do they that. They don't anymore. do that anymore. You, you have like-
2: to go take your resume in, yeah. hand it to them. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's so interesting. People are always like, how do you know so much? Donnie, you seem to know a lot about everything. Girl, the work that we had to do back then, like literally, I remember researching. You couldn't just, we're both in our 40s, right? At that time when we were teenagers and kids, you could not go to the computer and go to Google and say, um, what is is X, Y, and Z? Mm -mm. You had to take a good guess at figuring at what word to look up in the encyclopedia encyclopedia. and encyclopedia for you guys that don't know are like books it's a (laughs) (laughs) encyclopedia is a book (laughs) they're books right it's a a library of books you get like
4: once a year 20 of them Mm
2: -hmm. they're updated like annually and um and it's not a dictionary it's it's more it's more elaborative than a dictionary you would say you know what is how to establish a corporation so you go into the encyclopedia you look at the the eighth through C encyclopedia, corporation. And then there would be pages, maybe even a chapter on what a corporation is and all that information, but then you find the keyword there. Yes. And then
4: keep going and you find keep going. more books. And I mean, there wasn't when I started my first company, there was just no resources like we have today. No. I really winged that on my own. I mean, mm-hmm. I really figured it out on my own and made a lot of mistakes because I didn't know what I was doing. There wasn't those resources. I mean, I it's crazy that we are in our 40s. I feel like we're young. But I literally had to handwrite and use a typewriter all the way up until college. Period. A typewriter. That sounds insane.
2: We had to carry three like ring binders yes. with us to keep our documents presentable. We couldn't just like drop. We didn't have an iPad with everything stored or a None laptop. We literally had folders and binders. And you better keep your stuff in a binder with the with the Being paper protector the over it, because you're flipping through that paper with people talking about your business. Don't present anything dirty, exactly, girl. First of all, okay, that so, made
4: us who we are, though, like, and that that's why us? we talked about before we got on here about the difference in the generations. They did. They don't realize how easy they have it and they take it for granted and they let that make them sloppy and lazy. Yeah. Instead of leveraging it for excellence, they leverage it for mediocrity.
2: And they're getting so much. Oh, God, this is so good. I wish we had so much more time. You got to come back They're 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 doing such surface level research that especially in service providing, you're giving such surface level, mediocre level services right so, so can't solve a problem to save anybody's lives you're it's, it's, it's a lot of band-aid solutions and guys if you want to stand out and you want to be like the Don Dixon who has many successful corporations or you know you're looking at me and you're like man Donnie is so well versed in business it's not because I operated a business in every industry available it's because my training has taught me critical thinking. Yes. I know how to critically think through a scenario. And I can see when you're a critical thinker, you can take an issue that's happening in one lane and apply it to something different. Because business
4: is business fundamentally. Mm-hmm. S- putting systems in place, operations, finances, organization, it transfers. Yeah. Yeah. If you have that skill set, it transfers. Mm-hmm. But most people are hustling their way through things mm-hmm. and, and they're cutting a lot of corners. It's
2: microwave
4: society, everything. It's the way is... that it is today. But that that's why we are paid very well to then come and fix it. Fix it. <laughs> fix yes. it. Yes yes
2: yes. Yes, so, yes, 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 yes. Learn how to critically think. Don. with everything that you have going on, I have to ask, I don't see a ring are we married? Are we dating? What we got going? First of all, you just moved to Ghana. Yes. Girl, what are the men like in
4: Ghana? You know, I don't know yet. They're fine. I'll say that. They're fine because I see them. But I, I'm recently divorced, like okay. freshly divorced. Um, I was only married two years, so mm. that's the thing. And I, I always wanted to move to Africa my whole life. So my husband was Nigerian, my ex-husband, because I dated intentionally and I only dated Africans because- Because you wanted to move. I knew I wanted to move to Africa. Okay. And I was, my biggest thing was like, I can't fall in love with an American man and then he, so want to stay here with his grandmama and his mama and he won't move to Africa. Yeah. I got to move to Africa. That is my life goal. Why? So because I, because that's, I'm connected. Africa is home for me. Okay. It's always felt that way. Did you visit first? No, no. I, I just studied it extensively when I was a child. So I visited- For the first time probably 10 years ago I mean I've been going Mm -hmm. for a long time but it just resonated with me my mom taught me I knew my history I knew where I was from I was proud to be black I was proud to be you know African I I'm tired of racism you know I I just said I want to live somewhere where everybody's black that was just my dream that's Mm -hmm. my personal utopia I love it there's no you know nothing's perfect there's no perfect country in this world but for me I said Foundation of just walking out the door and everybody that I interact with every day is black will just give me joy. Mm. That's it. Everybody, everybody you see, everybody you see is black.
2: It's got to be so beautiful. I love it. And
4: yeah. so that was one something I wanted for myself. And then also just I'm grateful for the opportunities I've had as an American uh, citizen and being born here. You cannot deny some of the things that we have privilege to that other people are not, despite even us being black and all the horrible things that happen to black people here. We still are able, we're not in a caste system. Mm-hmm. We can we can, we can, can grow, we can hustle, we can mm-hmm. make it out of our, out the hood, we can. Yeah. yeah Some places can. you can't make it out of where you're born into. Mm-hmm. You're never going to make it out unless you marry out and it's rare. So I'm grateful for that, for the resources. I can go out and get it. But like, there's so many things that I feel there's been a ceiling put on my career because I'm a black woman, especially in my industry. I'm the only black CEO in my industry, like in the industry. Mm. And it's hard. You know, I feel like I don't get a lot of business because of it. You know, I'm black with braids and tats. Like, you know, I, it's not their cup of tea. Yeah, And so when I've thought about how do I want to expand my career and like I've, I've reached the pinnacle of where I want to go. Do I want to bust through glass ceilings? or do I want to go where there's no ceiling? Hmm, let's just slide over here where being a black woman is not going to be an obstacle for me. That's not going to be the reason why you don't work with me. Yes, And so that was a thing as well. Mm-hmm. And then another thing was like I dated African men and this is no shade to black men because I know it's not your fault that you don't have a cultural identity. And a lot of times you don't know who you are, where you come from. But it's it, it's it's hard for me, you know. When you date a man who knows where he's from, he identifies with a tribe, he has pride. He, 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 he doesn't identify with a neighborhood or a street. It's like a country, a tribe. Yeah. It goes back hundreds of years, thousands of years. Yeah. It's a different type of confidence. Mm. It's a different type of culture and how they treat women as well. And, and, and so, noth- again, nothing is perfect, but I pick what I like. So once I realize I like African culture, I like African men, I like, you know, African food, I, I just need to be over there. And so I'm single, but, you know, I was married, and my husband and I, we both had a – we were on the same page. Like, we want to move to Africa. He's from there. He was born and raised there, moved here when he went to um, college. But we both just had that plan. Mm -hmm. And even though it didn't work out on the marriage side, you know, the goals that I had when I got into the marriage as far as like – because I feel like marriage is a business. You can love people. I'm a Capricorn. I I love everybody. Me too. When is your birthday? January 1st. Girl, December 27th. I love everybody, but – It got to be more than that for me. Yeah. So like, what are our goals? And so we both were able to like level up our career and level up our life and level up our money and meet our goal. We both moved to Africa, which is not together. Um, And nobody wants that to be their ending, but at least it's not like, I don't feel like, Oh, you know, I got married and wasted my life or wasted my time. Like I accomplished a lot and it was a pandemic and we was locked down for the first year in the house. We got married on the day of lockdown that they had started. Wow. March sixteenth, the day that you can't go to restaurants, we were like, "Is the government gonna shut down?" Let's just go get money. <laughs> I mean, it all could have been, you know, because yeah. it was fast. I met him on Instagram. We was engaged in four months. We was married in five.
2: Mm, so, girl, you were out here having fun, got a little money, I, I can real make decisions in, I was differently. Just real intentional, like,
4: <laughs> and plus, I like I like African men in the way that they be real clear that they want to be with you. You, you know? fall
2: fast, don't you? Dawn? No, not at all.
4: No, not four at, months. Four months we go together. I mean like 4 months you go you can go we together. Go to, we go, go together. You can go together. And then we were engaged. She proposed, but I didn't expect to get married that fast. We okay. got married cuz of COVID and we were like we want to go to Africa faster. And I have to be legally married to to get my visa mm. to go to Nigeria and So be even over that there. was a
2: business decision.
4: It was all everything that I do has to go along along with my plan. Now, of course I'm a human I have feelings, I have a heart like but I always is always very intentional about who I even date and who Mm -hmm. I even associate with. So it was business decision for both of us. Yeah, we definitely loved each other, but I didn't get a chance to get all like, I feel like I didn't get a chance to get all head over heels in love because.
2: Got you. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Yeah. See, so. if we would have been friends back then, I could have helped you solve that problem. To know, just let me let me no. not say that. You like I caught him. and and so that was my question. Um, African men. I've dated a few African men in my time, and uh, they were all very, very generous men. Very generous, great like lovers, but they loved every damn body.
4: Most <laughs> men in general, especially men that are successful, men that have money men that are attractive men that so um the, the abundance of perceived options you know mm-hmm. is a thing I never took it personal like I'm not mad you know Beyonce got cheated on
2: like, yeah okay
4: uh, but as, as an I adult don't take it personal like it's me it's something wrong with me as Maybe. a grown grown mm-hmm. woman
2: Dawn I've only been cheated on by the African men that I've dated so now I'm like Dang. I ain't messing with them no more <laughs> I
4: haven't been in many relationships um, yeah to even be getting cheated on, I just be doing me like you just I'm, out I'm here just, building I'm your business, traveling the world, been to yeah. 30 countries, want to go to more. Like, I you can't catch up with me to but be. But do my you boyfriend. feel like,
2: do you feel like now being in your 40s, do you wish you would have dated earlier? Like, no. seriously considered dating?
4: No, I, I design my life, I have the life I want. Mm-hmm. I could have had anything I wanted, just yeah. just, you know that. Just set your intention. Yeah, I never was a woman to pray for a husband, a man, I never dreamed of a wedding, I never wanted one. I eloped. I never it wasn't my life. When I see my life as even a young girl, I I remember vividly going to my grandparents' 65th year anniversary. I probably was like 13 or 14 and I was like, ain't no way everyone ever want to be with nobody that long. You still don't? No. I'ma die before that. I don't have sixty five years. That's left. a good point. I'm forty four. I, I no. never
2: um I want to be married, just to be clear. And and I am a woman who feels like we need each other. Women need, need men, men need women. Um, but I didn't prioritize, like for me in my 20s, and it was probably because of the financial trauma that I experienced that I had to focus on just getting my yeah. money together. That's how
4: I felt as yeah, well. I didn't want to be a dependent. I didn't. And I knew, I knew, and I, my daughter's father is an NFL player. So I lived that life of not working, living with him. He's been in the NFL. I'm living that life. You mm-hmm. know, before Basketball Wives, mm-hmm. I was living that Yeah, life. yeah, 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 yeah. And, um, it depends on what your value systems are like if you want to if you want the lifestyle and the and the and the money and the bags and the house and you don't care about loyalty or honesty or until later, because everybody, all the men act right later when they ask. They washed. always first they of all, gray and fat and washed. They want to be. They be they out here be saying <laughs> men
2: become more valuable as they get older. They I'm like,
4: that. my friend told me that yesterday. He really thinks that men get more valuable when they get older. I mean, I and think women
2: lose our value, and 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 so that's my thing. They always say. I hear it a lot right now from these relationship podcast experts that men become more valuable with age, women become less valuable with age. I really just think it's person specific it is. because I have certainly gotten more valuable. You I would have. not have wanted to marry twenty something year old Donnie. I, it would have been a hot no, ass mess. It would be a disaster. And there were parts of my thirties where I was still finding a lot out about myself, and I, I feel good now. Like I now I feel good with dating with the intention of being married. Like dating super intentionally. I, I've always been more of a long term commitment person. But marriage was still kind of like, I want it, but I got to do X, Y, Z first. I struggle, though, honestly, with um, wishing sometimes. So the, the catalyst behind me not dating super seriously in my 20s, especially in early 30s, was my daughter. You know, I was about to ask. you. Yeah, I I didn't want men around my daughter. I did not want men around my daughter in and out my house. Yeah, you're not coming in and out. I didn't want to show her that as her mom. Right. It was really important the way that I positioned myself as a mom and as a woman. Yes, because I later learned that like my biggest fear in life would be my daughter having to look outside of me for for an example of what a woman is supposed to be yes. so you know I want it to be really really intentional about just being a good mom and available for everything. My daughter has never ever been to a babysitter. The only time that no, she spent I mean, away from me because we ended up being a split family household uh, you know I think when she was seven her father and I broke up or maybe six. Uh, You know, she had her cousin, you know, those were her sisters. Mm -hmm. So she spent time there. She spent time with her father Mm -hmm. and my mom. But we've never like hired a babysitter. Mm -hmm. So dating for me in your 20s, especially the type of men that I enjoy dating, you're on the go. Like people want to be able to be um, spontaneous. and, And I can't like I'm a mom first. But then your children grow up.
4: They do. And I planned. I always said, I'll get married around 40. And I used to say that because I felt like 40 was far. When you're 20, 21, 25, 40 seems far away. Mm-hmm. So I'll be like, when are you going to get married? Are you going to set it out? When I'm 40, around that time, because mm-hmm. Neil be, you know, she'll be, when I'm 40, she'll be 15. Yeah, she'll be, yeah, 15. That'll be a good time. And I would just say it. And literally, I manifested that because I got married at 40. Like, yeah. I met him at 40, got married, I think, I had just turned 41 mm-hmm. a, a month before that. Yeah. So, I, I I always just wanted to give her that time for me to raise her. You know, it's not her fault her father and I didn't work out, but I want to give her everything. That's how and I felt, I felt like, shit, I'll, I'll still be young. And I still am. She's and you about look to be at nineteen. Yes, yes, yes,
2: yes, yes. The yes, plan yes. worked out. And I see it. So, uh, back to my original point, I see it both ways. Sometimes, um... Women just people in general some of us get better with time some of us not so much with time yeah. and you know I right now it's so funny because only younger guys approach me
4: My husband was 12 years younger than
2: me yeah my last my ex was seven years younger than me but
4: what's up with y'all why y'all not a, you know like I mean I think that um I think that the older men our age, well, the ones that I see that are our age, I'm not attracted to, like, I don't do fat. I don't do, like, I think the respect. Like, I like younger men because I feel like they respect me a little bit more. They put on me a higher esteem, maybe, Mm -hmm. than the older men maybe do. They mm. give me a little they just they respect who I am, what yeah. i you know, where I've been, what I've you know, where I, where I stand, my career, that I look good, definitely. Mm-hmm. And um I think older men just be taking that for granted sometimes. They're setting yeah. their ways sometimes.
2: Sometimes, yeah. I I've had that I can remember. So I I've dated. Like I have and when I say I've dated, I've always um I have believed in dating multiple people at a time, not being sexually involved with multiple people, but certainly like dating for me is we've hung out more than three times. We've gone on some dates and, you know, had some experiences and I've dated statistically, especially in my twenties. Um, I dated a lot because I didn't want to get attached to anybody because again, my daughter was my priority. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't dating for long-term commitment. I was, I was dating for companionship when she's at her father's house. Let's go have dinner. And and everybody understood kind of where I was in that time. Um, And, and a lot of my, Friends, you know, are people that in the past I've dated. We were never intimate and we ended up being really good friends later. That's
4: exactly me. But
2: I can remember um, as an adult. So I've probably had since started started to date dating seriously three serious relationships.
4: Me too. Exactly.
2: And one of them was somebody who was older than me. Love him to death. If you're watching this, you were awesome.
4: Oh, um,
2: yeah, but he was just too old for me. Yeah. And it was only now be clear. It was only a five year difference, but this guy, uh, and, and I wanted to try something different because like, what the hell am I doing dating these guys? It's like usually three to five years younger than me. So I start dating this guy and he's wearing, I saw him in a suit for the first time. Girl, he got on one of those like old school Steve Harvey suits, wide leg pants with the square toe and shoes. And I was him, like, I hope he's not." <laughs> yeah, but he knows I used to clown yeah, him about yeah. this. Like I, I helped him dress more modern, but it was that. And it was, you know, y'all look now y'all start getting older. My goal, I'm, I'm very, very aware of how I look. My body staying physically fit. And sometimes, men, as you guys start to get older, you start to lose the sex. think pack the money is
4: compensate for you not being fine no more. Yeah, yeah. But it's yeah, not.
2: Yeah, yeah. And it's it's difficult, God. and you're, you're setting your ways. You're like, this is how I am. Usually, with older men, not so much because women reinvent themselves a lot. Yes. It's like after a man has his midlife crisis moment, now he is who he is. And you're not as eager, it feels, in my experience, to to change and to evolve to and continue to... Or to
4: move to Africa. Yeah, you know girl, I, mean? I ain't
2: moving to Africa. See? I'm not well, doing that. I'm see, not, what I'm
4: saying? And most people mm-mm. won't, but that's like, <laughs> I'm like my uh, thing, you know what I mean? Because so. I'm that
2: girl that you explained and the guy, like, I'm I'm very close to my mom. I don't... You know, if, if she moves to Africa, I'll move. If my mom and my daughter moved to Africa, it would be a no-brainer. But I don't believe they would do that. I, I really do... I love it here. I love it here. I believe some of the culture we could we could definitely do a lot better on. Um, I just, I don't have a desire to 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 go to Africa. Oh, not to go, but to live in any other country, actually. I'm just like, how in the hell would Donna Wiggins? A lot? Yeah, I've traveled all over the world. And, you didn't and I love no,
4: it. Nowhere felt like I could live here.
2: Everywhere feels like I could live here.
4: <laughs> Everywhere I go, I'm like, oh, I could live here. Yep, I could like, live here. Nah.
2: Girl, to the point where I'm setting up. Like tours with realtors and everything. But when I actually start to think about me packing up my whole life and relocating permanently, it's like, mm mm. And that flight isn't short enough to I be like, did it.
4: it's, it's a lot. It's a say. lot. I'm in it now. Like half my stuff's in Ghana, half my stuff's in storage that needs to get into a shipping container. Yeah.
2: I admire you. Like, I think it's, it's so dope. And that... by
4: myself because my daughter's here in yeah, college. My I can... husband is gone. Yeah. And I'm just out here. I just like think it's new... so
2: dope that you are brave enough to do that because it definitely. Is a courageous endeavor. I think it's so dope. I wish I had more. Now, what I could do is spend like part of the year
4: yes, in by other Continental. places. I yeah. mean, I'm here now, you know, so I do. I, I was gone, I left in October and I just came back in February. So I was gone. So I'll be, I'll be back like every quarter for like a month.
2: Okay. I love it. Yeah. I could, I could, no, a month isn't long enough. I could go somewhere literally for like three months. And then come back home for like six and then go somewhere else okay. for like three well, months. Good. Yeah, I got to be connected. If I if I had I didn't have the exposure in my 20s that I've, I've gotten in my in my 30s and 40s. And if I think I think if I were exposed just a little bit earlier, I might be that adventurous. I might be in another country like period right yeah. now. But I am I won't say set in my ways. Because I'm flexible enough You're to like spend enough. some time away, yeah. um, but I am I am terrified at the thought of just moving to a whole not even just country continent like <laughs> you went all the way out.
4: I did, but that's because I that's the way, I I just think so. Like I don't think about anything. As being permanent. Yeah. That's not how my mind thinks. That's probably why my marriage, I never thought of like forever. I don't think like forever. I don't, my Ooh, brain don't work like that. I want to be married forever. My brain don't work like nothing is forever. Yeah. There's nothing.
2: I mean, and forever. and forever is ideally until death do us part, yeah, right? Yeah, my
4: brain just doesn't function like that. And then, and then so I, 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 I do things until they're serving me, until it's, it's making sense. And if it doesn't make sense, if it makes sense forever till I die. Yeah. Gotta so I'm I,
2: we got to figure out how we're going to make this make sense forever. Like and you. that's the other thing. Um, Once married, like it's my because I didn't have never a great. No, I've never been married. I and I had marriage once. Yeah, I did not have great examples of marriage growing up. But what I did know was that most of them got married in their 20s. Yes. And as I started to study the psychology of people and become more successful, I really learned how different you actually are. So I identify very early like, okay, 20s ain't it for me. Yes. I don't want to be married in my 20s. I don't want to do that to somebody. Mm-hmm. I know that you're I'm going to be I'm going to change and I'm going to change. I'm so different. Mm-hmm. I am so different. I went to a Super Bowl party. Um and we're going to go ahead and wrap this up, but I went to a Super Bowl party this uh a, a while ago. And I ran into this guy that one of those guys that I dated like back in 2010. Don't get me caught up. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I I ran into this guy that I dated back in 2010 and he. I, I found out, I'm like, wow, I haven't seen you in forever. I hadn't seen him probably since like, I don't know, 2017. And, and even then seeing him would be like online. I'm like, damn, I haven't seen you in forever. He's like, yeah, I went away. And I'm like in 2017, he was like, no, I went away in 2019. You still doing that? Like he was, he was a dog boy. He was a drug dealer mm-hmm. Still, and he didn't even confess it to me at that time, but I knew enough to know what he did. Right. And he had escaped, like not escape, but he was on the other end of a felonious felonious past at that time and just to come out and continue to repeat that cycle. And, you know, by 2019, he had a grandkid. And I'm like, you went to prison again in 2019? And so, you know, try not to be judgmental. We're having... his
4: career. It's like, and now all these white men are like, making billions off of selling weed. Yeah. You know, I, he I, ain't moving no weed topic. girl.
2: He oh, ain't moving no weed. That okay. ain't, that ain't what he do. Oh. Um, so it, what he yeah, does he is a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What he does is a problem, but we're having this conversation and we're talking, he, he buys me a drink and you know, he buys me and my girls a drink and we're having a good time. And he was such an important part of my life at that time. We were so bonded and connected at that time, and it was almost hurtful engaging with him a few weeks ago because he was still he in that evolved. time. He hasn't so what evolved if that would have at been all. Your
4: husband and you're evolving, oh and they're God. not. And then they resent you, and then it's a problem. I
2: was sitting there like feeling so guilty that I was so out of the conversation, and I was I was feeling annoyed and disgusted. And he said something to me about something that I was at that time. I don't remember what he said. And I was like, oh, child, I've changed, honey. I have changed so much. And he's like, never get so big that you forgot where you came from and who you were. And that statement to me alone said, you don't understand what evolution means and why it's necessary. And I just felt so bad in the moment because I knew that I didn't want your number. I don't want to catch up. I never need to see you again Mm-mm. because you're just so stuck in this way of being. You could be so much more just so, and he's older. He's, he's older than me. <laughs> that, I mean, that
4: goes back to the point of just, we're the same and I didn't want to get married when I was in my twenties. because I knew that I, the life that I wanted, and I didn't want anybody to stop it or get in my path. I was, I was very clear. I always said I'm gonna retire by 45, 45. So I got like a year and a half. To retire, but it's like if when somebody I'm selfish in that way. If somebody comes into my mix, I'm so clear about where I'm going and what I want in my life, and mm-hmm. I design this life that they can go. Yeah, and maybe that's a toxic thing. I don't know. Maybe Ooh. that's a bad thing. But they can go.
2: They can go. And
4: I, I don't have attachments like yeah.
2: that. I have attachment issues. I, I do. I I love to create I only. I am really. I'm quick to walk away from something that I'm not already attached to. But once I become attached to you, I don't want you to go. Yes. And that means for me, it doesn't mean that if you're my boyfriend, you stay my boyfriend. Or if you're my friend, you stay my friend or business partner. That means that my mind, like my heart, makes me desire to figure out how you do fit. So you don't fit in this role. Let me see if you can fit in this role. Because I'm so, I'm a Capricorn. I'm a lover. I love people. I just love everybody, right? And I feel like, but I have so much love for myself as well. I will reposition you I will repurpose the hell out of somebody you hear me
4: yes until it
2: wears you out it rarely does though I don't I don't have a whole, I've not had a whole lot of experience with just exhausting relationships now that's business
4: I haven't I have business that's There's the flip that side of business
2: yeah that's the flip side of me when you exhaust me and stress me out it takes a lot for me to be done just like even in my last relationship I fought for it I'm a fighter you can walk I will fight for something but when I'm done, I'm done, yeah, <laughs> right? I'm the same way. And like with friendships, I have friendships and, and relationships and partnerships. I'm going to do everything and exhaust every possible avenue to make this great. But when I'm done with you, you might as well act like you don't know me because I'm I don't know way. you anymore. Yeah, I'm I'm that way. Don, you know what I loved about uh, spending this time here with you today? So the whole premise of full transparency is to kind of, Give the audience an inside look on what it would be like if I were just sitting down with my friends, new and old, having lunch, having a drink, talking. And this was exactly that. Like I was so involved in what you were talking about that I forgot the cameras were here. Yes. And that is why you guys are tuned in to Full Transparency. Every single week you get a new episode with me and some of my successful friends, old and new, where we have just authentic conversations. But you should be picking something up. Listen, I was over here in my phone typing out notes in real time. You should have a couple of pages of notes from this brain this genius brain this giant of a brain don dixon don it was such a pleasure to have you. you how do we follow you how do we keep up with yes, you yes
4: i am you can find me don dixon d-i-c-k-s-o-n on all the platforms i really um instagram you know i play around on there i, I like it on there but if you want to but coaching with me or like um read my blogs all those things are on Don dixon.me. so that's like the one stop to just getting to Everywhere that I'm at. So DawnDixon.me. And then, you know, if you want to learn more about Africa, Ghana, also Rwanda, doing business there, about the men there, about expanding your life there, about traveling. I love talking about those kind of things. So hit me up.
2: I love it. And I already know uh, what everybody's going to want to know first. Leave us with this. I'm an entrepreneur. I need some money. I'm fresh out of money. I need to get some money because I know that if I just had the access to financial resources, everything is going to change. Everything's going to pop. What's the first thing that I should be focused on doing?
4: Definitely have your what I said earlier in this whole thing, you know, know how you're going to make money, know how you're going to grow, know you are get the product done. But know how you're going to return the money to investors. They really just want to hear that you have a plan to give their money back and how you're going to use their money. And if you're like in a place where you're like, where do I go? I would start at go to a website called Go Alice. Is it called Go Alice? Get Alice? Hello, Alice. <laughs> Hello, Alice. And um, a website, FS6. F6S. I'm crazy, y'all. <laughs> F6S.com. And you can register your business there and just see so many resources. So just start really digging into the ways you can get that free money. It's free money out there now, grants, pitch competitions. Definitely make sure if you're in America, you got to get that credit together because having good credit can open up so many doors for you as an entrepreneur and just the ways you can leverage things. So the first thing is just get your stuff in order. Make sure you know how your business is going to make money and return that money to investors or lenders and then get out there and network as much as possible online and offline and let it be known. This is the one thing I'll say and I'll leave it at this. When I learn fundraising They said that people do not raise money because they don't ask. The number one reason why you don't get what you want is because you don't ask. So always just ask. The worst that can happen is they can say no. And then you can always ask again tomorrow or next
3: week.
2: That's what I do. Heavy, heavy, heavy. All right, you guys, this has been another edition of Full Transparency. Make sure you like You are subscribed both here on uh, YouTube if you're watching this video or on any of the podcasting platforms that you're listening from. Make sure you're actually subscribed. And do me a favor, drop in the comments your biggest takeaway from today's episode, and I will see you soon.
3: Thanks. Bye. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world
0: a better place by working more efficiently.